And a good day to all of the unfuckers out there in the universe. This is a special drop, totally unplanned. It is not a full unfucking. It's not a quickie. A topical cream, or as you'll hear soon, a phone a friend. It's none of these things. This is a special family edition of Unfucking the Republic, where we go a little bit behind the scenes for this very special day because a couple of really interesting things happened. Number one, as we announced last year, June 10th shall heretofore be known globally as Fuck Milton Friedman Day. So we're here on the eve of Fuck Milton Friedman Day putting together this very special private family episode. The other thing that happened is that after the leg, the last leg of his American tour, many of the faces came by the studio to drop in on us. So for the first time since we started this show, and it's been two years since we conceived of it, a year and I think a half, a little bit more since we first launched the show for the very first time. I am in the studio with the great and powerful 99 and the sound design maestro, Manny of the Faces. Manny, welcome to the studio. What's up? I promise you he's more loquacious than that. <laughs> What's up, family? How What's we doing? What's up, fam? Come on now. We We're have to here. play some Vin Diesel clips now. <laughs> family. <laughs> family. Well, I couldn't play the fuck Milton Friedman clip because you're I'm here. here. So, it's so weird. It's weird. Very meta. What if it makes it in after the fact? It's possible. It's possible. Could Anything's happen. possible. The other cool thing is that uh, 99 and I are back together after my thumpering edition of show notes this week. And she is not rested, but looks relaxed, smiley, happy, feeling good. And I have not one, not two, but a case of Heady Topper. On my desk. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh. So really, welcome back. I am glad you are home for so many reasons. <laughs> That's number one, though. It's in there. It's mm -hmm. in there. It's not number one. I always love seeing you. I love being in person. Oh, okay. So here's what I wanted to do today. We want we have to put a little bit of structure to this, obviously, because we can't just sit here and ramble. So Yeah, what is this? Show notes? So what I wanted to live do- Live sound effects. Was- <laughs> I, I asked them a couple of days ago, I, I put out a notice and just said, you know, what, what if we just have some structure and, and talk about three different things? Each of us is supposed to come prepared with an answer. I'm confident that none of us has done that. Yep. Um, How which, dare you? <laughs> which, have, are you prepared? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I'm confident that Manny did not come prepared. Yep. Is that is that better? <laughs> Since he's been on a world tour. Yes. But before we get into that, one of the reasons that you were in town is, and you were actually local, you were in Brooklyn. Yes. One of the reasons for that is that you were with your other pod that we are, you know, now friendly with as a result of you. Sure. Called Newsbeat and doing something actually really fucking cool and special. Can you just tell everybody what you were doing and, and what that was all about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Newsbeat uh, has a long story history of putting out episodes uh, of it's a social justice journalism podcast, if, if uh, folks aren't aware of it. Uh, that melds the worlds of of high level social justice journalism, uh, interviews with activists and experts and folks who have been on the wrong side of injustice, uh, and we we meld those stories uh, over music and uh, very often. And so it's sort of like a score and and very you know sound designy, 
uh, as you know, I'm wont to do. And uh, what we do very often is we incorporate original lyrical contributions from independent hip hop artists. Uh, so who will punctuate different sections of each episode with uh, an artistic interpretation of the issue at hand. Uh, so we've talked all, you know, all things from, you know, mass incarceration and, uh, you know, uh, how coronavirus disproportionately affected communities of color and the movement to close youth prisons and just so many of the issues that maybe aren't always at the front lines of uh, mainstream media or sometimes media at all. Uh, anyway, uh, very early in our life, uh, one of the one of the episodes that we did was called "Exonerated and Broke," and this episode f- uh, focused on the plight of uh, exonerees, uh, folks who are you know imprisoned uh, for many, 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 many years, uh, yet they uh, were innocent of the crime for which they were convicted, um, and only uh, were able to prove that years and years later, sometimes decades later, uh, through the advent of DNA technology and. Uh, groups like the Innocence Project, who would help get them a uh, case reopened or looked at uh, again. Uh, so the problem, though, with a lot of these exonerees who get out, and that's great, and they're you know, celebrating their releases, they very often come home with no money and very rarely get compensated from the municipalities, the city, the state that incarcerated them in the first place. I remember from that episode, one of the things that really struck me mm-hmm. as a New Yorker right. was that New York actually had one of the worst remuneration and restitution policies. Right. And it was another state that, you know, as Northerners, we would have, you know, looked down our nose at. And it was something like Alabama and Alabama or Mississippi or whatever had a, not not a full, I mean, you can't it buy was somebody's life back, right. but it was, it was actually a rational policy. Like, oh, we fucked this up. We put you in jail for so many yep. years. Here's the value of what you might've earned. And you get money when you come out. Yep. In New York, you had to really jump through hurdles yep and go through the court system. And the reason that so many of the exonerees never actually wound up with a penny is because they're coming out with no money and then couldn't, fire, couldn't afford to hire attorneys yeah. to go and get that money. Yeah, I, I often say like, these are folks who are coming out, don't, ha- don't know how to use a cell phone and been away, right. you know, and yet you have to find a way to get a, an attorney, one that'll work pro bono, uh, one that'll go up against the infinite, you know, resources of the state, which is doing everything they can to not... Uh, you know, it's a court case. They, they don't want to give up the money. They all they can to... do is carve Brooks was here in the rap. That's it. That's all <laughs> right. they know. Right. So it was actually an eye. It was very early in, in Newsbeat's uh, life. And it was actually a very eye opening. I didn't know any of this. Just like, uh, you know, I, I often don't know anything about the things we talk about. And so we talk about them. Uh, and uh, what was great about that episode, again, the incorporation of the music and the artistry. It featured uh, uh, the Newsbeat has a couple of artists in residence, uh, our inaugural uh, you know, uh, one was a, a gentleman named Silent Knight. He's an artist out of New Jersey slash New York. We've uh, worked with him a great number of times. I've worked with him previously outside of uh, this journalism project. Uh, and one he's of the an incredible talent. Uh, he's it, certainly one of the best, just simply the best uh, rap artists that I've come across, whether it's, you know, success, you know, uh, mainstream or not. Um, and he works independently, does some great work, did some great work with us. And one of the things that we always wanted to do, and I know that, uh, well, what happened was uh, that episode featured uh, folks from the Innocence Project who were talking about how, you know, these efforts are, are done and how what they have to do to kind of get uh, exonerees compensated over time. And uh, Rebecca Brown was one of the uh, Innocence Project uh, folk who uh, were interviewed on that show. Uh, and they liked Silent Night's contribution so much that they reached out to him 
after the episode and offered him uh, the opportunity to become an Innocence Project ambassador. So what the Innocence Project does is they have a bunch of celebrities and and not so celebrities, but, you know, folk gra- grassroots community or- organizers and such that they uh, believe align with their values and they put them out into the world as Innocence Project ambassadors. And uh, Stephen Colbert is an Innocence Project ambassador. There's a bunch of uh, Michael K. Will- the late Michael K. Williams mm-hmm. was an Innocence Project ambassador. Uh, so, you know, celebrities, but also, you know, Sort of regular folks that have a, con- a connection to the community and values that are aligned and very, uh, very often from an artistic standpoint. So SK, we call him affectionately, has been working with the Innocence Project over the past few years. And right before this, uh, I don't know if you heard about this pandemic thing that just happened. This, Oh, the, the, the hoax, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the yeah. Thing, yeah. Um, so while everyone was being fooled, uh, nothing was happening in these uh, in these places. And uh, but one of the things he was working on was trying to get, um, you know, sort of a. a concert together, some artists, you know, together on stage, as he does very often with uh, the band called Fuse, who was featured on a couple of episodes of Newsbeat. Anyway, long story short, he uh, he takes the opportunity after now things are starting to open up, uh, you know, pandemic wise, uh, re- reignited those talks with the Innocence Project, uh, put together a great show featuring a number of artists, myself included, uh, DJing and helping kind of organize it ahead of time and I co-hosted. We had one of the exonerees uh, was hosting it, Rodney Roberts. We had um, uh, uh, a couple of artists that performed. We had the band performed, SK performed at a place called uh, the Star Bar in Brooklyn, New York, which is known for their uh, often uh, putting forth shows that have a social justice uh, connection. It was a great night. It was a fundraiser. They raised uh, a lot of money for the Innocence Project on hand. They got new email addresses added up. And it was just a a really cool night uh, for you know, entertainment with a message in these dark and gloomy times, a little bit of hope and inspiration uh, at, you know, thanks to some of the efforts that we, you know, did uh, over at Newsbeat maybe five years ago. Wow. Wow. That long. Yeah. Yeah. It had been brewing for a while. So really good, really good time. Uh, Really inspirational moment. And again, shows the power of art and journalism and social justice and podcasting and all of these uh, medias, mediums, together uh, can do some good in the world and not just, uh, you know, be uh, Joe Rogan. Well, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong. With no, no. Oh, you know, you know, well, I mean. mm. Mm. Uh, well, I love that it brought you here. Yeah. It's great to, for those that don't know, uh, I think we've spoken about, you know, Manny is based uh, just outside of Atlanta, but for many years uh, we allowed him to slip <laughs> away into New Jersey. We don't talk about those years, uh, but is a New Yorker. Although, where were you born? I was born outside of uh, Philadelphia in a tiny, tiny place called Upland, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. All right. But so, I don't really claim it. Where, where, what do you claim is your roots? Long Island. You do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it brought I'm you a back. New Yorker. And we love that. Thank you. And it brought us all together here. But I love that you also came back for something like that. And the yeah. Innocence Project, we haven't done a lot on criminal justice on this show. That's not as much our lane. Although, you know, we've dipped into it, obviously. Um, but the Innocence Project is one of those institutions, I think, that we can't say enough about. So, um, again, very grateful that uh, you are here for that. Very grateful you found yourself in the studio. And uh, with that, why don't we get into some of the things that we want to celebrate specifically about good old Uncle Fartnagan, Milton Friedman. So, 99, since you are clearly going to be the most prepared for this, why don't we start with you and talk about one thing about yourself that the audience would be surprised by. So before we get into fuck Milton Friedman specific stuff, one thing about yourself that the audience might be surprised by. 
This was the hardest one for me. I feel like I've told everyone all my weird things. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I usually am like, I'm a vegan or, you know, I've seen my favorite band 70 something times or whatever. So I don't know. This one's hard. I This is what I'm, I'm semi-prepared for. Okay. What should I, what lane should I go down? Um, I mean, you know, obviously nothing that gives away too, too much or, or that might, we're not looking to open wounds. Let's say that. Oh, right? I shouldn't tell people my trauma. No trauma, no wounds. I mean, you can. Okay. And the and let me tell you, unfuckers would be here for you because we, <laughs> as we know, you are the favorite on this show. Mm-hmm. But uh, just, I think something, uh, you know, quasi revealing about your personality, a quirk or something that, uh, or something that you've done that you've, uh, that people might find interesting. Uh, my favorite food growing up was lima beans. <laughs> mm. I liked lima beans growing up. <laughs> I love lima beans. I used still to do? Just, well, of course. Uh, but they're not mm. my, I mean, they're not my favorite, but like that was my favorite food. When we do like class stuff, like, you know, star of the week, be like eye color and it'd be like favorite food, lima beans. I This vision of a teacher calling on you and being like, little 98 and a half, what's your favorite <laughs> thing in the world? <laughs> lima beans. Um, is that all you have? Is that all you brought to bear for the uh, the the thing? What? Isn't that interesting? It's different. Yeah. That's what you Interesting is a big word. <laughs> That's rude. I know. <laughs> um, okay. I like I said. I feel like I've told everything I can. That's interesting about me. Oh, you're, there's so much more. There's so much more. Why well, everyone knows I love beer and I like jam music mm-hmm. and. You have a vegan dog. I have a vegan dog. I don't I want to be, be vegan. vegan. He's not vegan. <laughs> It's my sister. It's not. It's one hundred and one dog <laughs> that is vegan, semi-vegan. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Listen, I'll let it stand if that's if that's where you want to go. My Dude, favorite go. animals are cows. Okay, now that is more interesting to me. They're so cute. They're because just big dogs. They, are they? They yes. are like big dogs. They are big dogs. I mean, they play like dogs. They like scritches. Remember, we went over this scritches and hugs. Wait, did dogs taste that good? Am yeah. I missing something? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> I'm not, I'm genuinely not, a, like, I don't have one of those stories where it's like, well, one time I did that. And, but how do you know that cows are so cool? Because I used to work at a farm sanctuary. Ah. I feel like I've talked about that too. I don't know that you've spoken about the sanctuary specifically. Okay. Maybe you have. Maybe so you hung out with cows. I had gone out with cows. Or cow. <laughs> there okay. was one was cow one there. Cow. It was uh, a sanctuary. It was like a refugee cow. Like it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was after Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. <Azerbaijan>. <laughs> Different <laughs> lanes here. Okay, all right. Fair um, yeah, so it was a farm sanctuary that used to be a dairy. Uh, it's on a small plot of land, so we only had one cow, and we had some sheep and goats and alpacas, mm. peacocks, turkeys, chickens. And a bunny. Difference between alpaca and a llama? Yes. What is? They're just different animals. Just totally different animals? <laughs> yes. Not even related? I mean, I don't know what they're like, you know, kingdom phylum spit? class order. They do, and it's disgusting. Uh. It smells like like stomach bile. I saw two of them fight once. Mm. I was really scared. And because they jump up and they scream like humans. And oh, right. I've seen that. They the twist screaming, their necks yeah. around each other. 
and they fight and like they stand on their you know they're like bipedal when they do it that's and how Manny and I fight it's <laughs> so exactly weird. Right. it's very scary I ran across the whole farm I was like I don't know what to do <laughs> and then we just had to watch and then they get this thing they get like lockjaw where their mouth just kind of hangs open afterwards because it's it's some sort of like defense mechanism <laughs> so it's like after they spit Cause it's like basically throw up more or less. And then God. their thing just like, they just look stupid and they're like. So we have a, we all are connected to this person. We have a mutual friend that was visiting a farm mm. <laughs> and was spit on by a llama or an alpaca or some fucking animal. Mm. And I mean, to this day is so fucking traumatized. Yeah, I've heard the story from them like five times. It's horrifying. I mean, she was covered, (laughs) covered in this llama spit. The problem is these animals are mistreated a lot of places and they sometimes people do. I'm not saying she deserved to be spit on, (laughs) but a lot of times people deserve it. Yeah, no, I, I I get it. I get it. It's just, it sticks with me that I have no interest in being near an alpaca or a llama alpaca? or any alpaca. Alpa- what do you say? Al- alpaca. You said alpaca. alpaca. Yeah. I don't want to visit an alpaca near a reservoir. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> That's all uh, I got. Sorry. That, no, it's totally fine. And I, I the, what I like about that is it, it brings us a little bit further into all of the things that you could do with your spare time and your volunteering on an animal farm, an a- animal sanctuary. The animal no less. farm. The animal farm. Is that <laughs> animal farm? That again? <laughs> um, and that Manny is here, but for such a good, awesome reason with the Innocence Project. This, I am the worst person on the show. I, I, I think that's pretty clear. That's right? not so you, true. No, it's obvious. I can list right? a bunch of shit that you do, but it would probably give you away. Okay. Well, I will, from there, <laughs> I will I will tell you, if if you don't already think that I'm the worst person on the show from all the things that they've told you, uh, <laughs> before we get over to Manny's uh, thing that would surprise you, I have divulged in the past that I used to be a Republican. <laughs> and I know that that's, a, that, I know that's tough for people. However- we have so many recovering conservatives that write into the show. It's one of my favorite things True, that uh, I feel like I, I have a, a good connection. There's a lot of other older basic white guys out there that have walked a path and gotten to a place and we're all approaching something. I don't know what it is, but it might surprise people to know that not only was I a Republican, but I ran for elected office as a Republican and got to see the inside of a local Republican machine, which was probably the beginning of my journey to get the fuck out Mm. of that Republican machine. Seeing the belly of the beast, instrumental, I think, in, um, oh, getting me to do things like, what do you call that? Read books, (laughs) um, spend time thinking, and uh, Mm. really questioning the world uh, as I was beginning to learn, I was a very, I, I ran way too early. I was a very young person, but I learned so much about the fundamentals of local elections and how important the local electoral machine is, Democrat, Republican, what have you. It's one of the reasons I think that it's one of the things that informed my belief that a third party option is tilting at windmills, Mm. that the only way is to kind of infect these bodies and take them over from the inside. Because when you you see 
how entrenched they are in so many different parts of the local economy, not just like the local political economy, but the local economy. How many jobs are built off that? How many pensions rely on it? How how fundamental it is to a local municipality. Remember, I think it's about, I want to say 15 or 16% of this country works for a government, local government, state government, or federal government. That is a significant portion of the country. So not only do they have the political mechanisms to kind of drive policy on a local level, they also have the economic mechanisms to keep people tethered to the party. So trying to create and establish an institution outside of that is a very good idea if we had a parliamentary system, but we don't. And that's why I try to keep things a little bit real and reasonable. Uh, This isn't as fun as talking about spitting alpacas (laughs) or alpacas or llamas or anything like that, but uh, it... um, it, I guess it, it's sort of my original bona fides in policy, politics, whatever it is. By the way, I was unsuccessful. It was the best decision that the voters never made. Uh, and <laughs> and I thank uh, the good Lord, mm-hmm. whatever shape that person, that thing, that entity, that, that being takes, that I was not successful because, boy, I would have been sucked in and I would have been an asshole. Oh, what a terrible person I would have become. Yeah, this show would have been called Fucking the Republic. Yes, yes. I mean, here's how we do it. <laughs> We're and, good and at our it. next guest is Steve <clears throat> Bannon. So uh, that's my thing. Now- Can I ask a question about yes, that? Yes, sir. So this was a while ago. Yes. And we've talked here about how- 20 years ago. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So that's great re- frame of reference. We've talked here about how the Republican Party and especially sort of the right-leaning or whatever uh, has really targeted local- Yes. Down to the school board now. Yes. Right. Really, really targeted. Was that part of their, and you said it's been happening for decades because of the, all the bad actors have been doing this insidiously, quietly, and now we're starting to figure it out, you know, that it's almost too late. Uh, was Did you see that then? You didn't recognize it for what it was then, but looking back, was it already happening there or were they just kind of just shitty? They were, I think what struck me the most is that they were wholly unideological. Okay. So that's what I would say the biggest difference is, is that you could have dropped any local politico into either party and they would have thrived because they had a certain makeup. They understood what the system was. They knew what they had to do to get a job, then to get into the system, then to get a pension. And a, and a lot of the a lot of the people that were at the core just understood how to how to grind the gears and how to keep the mechanism going. And some were very ideological, some of the the forward-facing people, but most of them were just people that understood that if I'm going to get a job, if I'm going to stay here, and if I'm going to you know build my life and my family here, uh, this is a really good place to do it. So I think what's different today is that we have right-wing ideologues that are infecting the system more than we have progressive ideologues trying to infect the system. And so I I, that's the playbook mm. that I'm I'm seeking to borrow to get people more animated and more involved. And I think one of the best things that has happened with the show is we I can probably count on now two hands instances where people have emailed us and said, I've taken the leap. I'm getting involved by joining a local committee. I'm actually running for office. Right. I'm adopting this platform. I'm changing my views. So that's that's very, very cool to me because it 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 has to happen. Otherwise, those so the system isn't going to change. The bureaucracy isn't going to change. What's going to change 
is who's actually turning and grinding the gears. The Bannon wing of the party, we've talked about how they want to get involved at the precinct level. That's strictly for electoral politics. They're not even interested in becoming part of the bureaucracy. They're interested in hijacking the electoral process. To me, that's one of the most dangerous movements that I've ever even, even heard of. It's so evil. It's, it's on, it could only be conceived by somebody like a Steve Bannon. But what, it'll, what it will do is put those people in the position of getting in to grind those gears to a halt. So we saw what happened when somebody like a Donald Trump gets in charge of the government. Donald Trump doesn't know how to run a government. And so for the first couple of years, he really just, he was just flying by the seat of his pants. And that's where the we destroyed- The seat of his diaper. By the seat of his <laughs> giant filled diaper. So you saw things like, you know, the World Trade Organization relationship changed, our, our relationship with the World Bank, with all of our alliances abroad. Everything changed because he didn't know what he was looking at and he didn't know the importance of it. All he saw was, we get a bad deal on everything. So I'm going to pull out of everything. But he didn't understand how the gears grind and work. And there were no adults in the room because they kept leaving or getting fired or indicted. What happened over time, though, and I think what's so scary about 2024 is that Trump now knows how to run a government. And or a Ron DeSantis is a creature of the system and already knows how to run a government and is a likely pick for you know who might be the nominee. So now we're professionalizing this class mm. of miscreants that are looking to take over the levers of power. And it's very troubling. And that's why we need to infect the body politic on the Democratic side, personally, in my opinion. Okay. But great question. So now- I have a question. <clears throat> yes. After- Sorry. It's like he's never recorded before. <laughs> uh, this happens all the time. You just have a great editor. Mm -hmm. True. Go ahead. What happened? The person who ran against you and won, where mm -hmm. are they today? How is their tenure? Retired. Retired. Were they well-liked? No. <laughs> no, which means I was less well-liked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, so it was the last minute thing. I came in, I had the element of surprise on my side. So I ran in an area where Republicans hadn't been elected for, I mean, decades. And I ran as a Republican and I was so fresh-faced and new that- And cute. Oh, oh, it was adorable back then. I had same fuckboy haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, that I actually did better than anyone had done on the Republican side for years. So I lost by 255 votes. Okay. Doesn't tell you anything because you can lose a congressional district by that, or you can lose like a, a, a little local council seat by that. But it was a very, very tight race. And the reason that we performed well is because we were just all new. Every single person that ran with us was brand new and people were looking for a change. Um, we had a moderate level of success. Had I announced earlier and run like a like a real, real campaign for many, many, many months, I would have been trounced because people would have had- Figured you out by then. Yeah, they would have just, they'd be like, wait, how old is he? Uh, and it was ironic because we were running on a, on a pro-environmental platform. So the seeds of me were there, mm -hmm. like the seeds of my worldview were there uh, against uh, overdevelopment it, that didn't have an affordable housing component. So we had the most democratic platform, but on the Republican side, which just shows you when it comes to local politics, nothing makes sense. Really, mm. ideology just goes completely out the window. Expediency and pocket lining is what it's all about. Uh, but anyway, the opponent uh, subsequently retired, lost the next election, actually, um, and uh, is just chilling out right now. Have you seen him since? Couple times. He's that fun. Times. Um, we, yeah, we've we've we have a, a mutual respect. We've reached sort of a detente, I would say. Nodded each other. 
Yeah, you know a little that? bit. We do see each other around town from time to time. Mm. It's, a, it's a very small place. Mm. So that's it. So right. many of the faces. Sir. You are an open book. You are the only open book on this show. As such, there is a lot out there about you. But unfuckers may not know some things about you. Yeah. That uh, your Newsbeat audience or your Hip Hop Can Save America audience or your, your, your DJ and MC audience knows. Tell us, tell the unfuckers something that they would be surprised by. I'm now running for your former seat. <laughs> good luck. Be a Democrat. <clears throat> oh, good. Good, good gracious. Uh, I don't know. I have a lot of things that you might be surprised about. Uh, um, I only have one kidney. <laughs> That's a way to say it. Yeah. Born that way, huh? Yeah. No, just got, you know that some people are and don't know it. Ooh. So you could actually fully survive on one kidney. Uh, you don't need both. Thankfully. Uh, yeah. And um, some people are actually born that way uh, and don't realize. I, I remember I was hearing a story where someone didn't know until they had to get some kind of surgery done. And I, you know, scanned them or opened them up and said, oh, by the way, fun fact. You can never be a kidney donor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you only have one and you need two because you have to have one left over, which is what I did. There you go. So I'm a living kidney donor. That usually surprises people. There's not. I mean, there's a lot of us, but, you know, uh, it surprises people if you don't know, because you, you can't tell by looking at me. I think you're you're like two ounces smaller than the last time I saw you. Yeah, I am way more than two ounces not smaller <laughs> than the last time you saw me. Uh, but, yeah, so, so I'm a living kidney donor. Uh, I'm just three years uh, in this past April. Uh, I have donated my kidney. I donated it to my daughter, who is uh, an adult, uh, my adult daughter, uh, not not baby girl faces, uh, which some of y'all might know. Uh, but uh, this is oldest girl faces, hashtag. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, she was uh, 27 at the time and had some you know, uh, degenerative, is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Disease uh, that affected the kidneys. And over time, they became unsustainable and she had to do dialysis. And she was on dialysis for three years. And uh, I. How taxing was that? Oh, for her? Dialysis, oh, my yeah. goodness. No, it's it keeps you alive, but it kind of slowly kills you, right. uh, you know, in a way. And, you know, mostly generally older folk, you know, are going through the throes of dialysis. Uh, so for younger folk, you can uh, tolerate it better. But I remember her telling me that there was a story of another young girl, I believe, young lady uh, who she was sort of in the same age range and they were friends. I don't know if it was a, a, a guy or girl. I can't remember, but it was another person who was going through this about the same age and they ended up not being able to walk. Mm. You know, just kind of wore them. Down. Yeah, just wore them down in some way that they really couldn't function physically uh, as as they could before. So it's it's something that's life-saving. And, you know, older folk will tell you, you know, look, <laughs> I only got so many years to live anyway, so I'll probably outlive it. Um, but, you know, I'll probably I'll probably die before it kills me. But if you're younger and you have to do that for your whole life, it really, you know, can cause significant problems down the line. So uh, luckily uh, for uh, for so far, so good. Uh, I don't I became a I did a bunch of testing. You have to get a blood test, you know, and you have to make sure. What that would she have done if you weren't a match? Well, she was on a list. So she eventually put on a list. It was like a seven year waiting list for most people who are looking for kidneys. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, she was probably like three years in, so it would have been a few more years. And again, young enough that she would have been able to, uh, <laughs> I was going to say purchase, you don't purchase a kidney, uh, acquire a kidney from someone, uh, whether it comes from a. What was your favorite? Lima? 
<laughs> yes. Your bean was the lima, right? Not yes. the kidney? Yes. Okay. So you uh, would not have been a good match. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, but you can get a, a, a cadaver, you know, a corpse kidney and someone who dies and mm-hmm. is, is an organ donor after death, or you can get a live kidney. Some people actually altruistically donate their kidneys, which I found out. They'll just be like, I'll oh, just take my kidney. I don't care who it goes to. I just want to do it, which is nice. Amazing. Um, sometimes there's chain uh, donations. So Where if, one person donates the other and they donate to the other. Yeah. And it's like a whole thing. <laughs> it just goes down. It's like it's human centipede. Right? <laughs> but like, let's say, you know, your loved one it, it needs a kidney, but you're not a match but you're a match for someone else and their person is a match for your person. So you can do this whole kind of chain thing uh, that happens. Um, But it turned out that after testing- I'll throw in my pancreas for two of your kidneys. (laughs) Two for 10, two for five, three for 10. Anyway, um, (laughs) so I go through this whole process and then we had like switched insurances. So we had to do it again. You have to go through this entire long ordeal where they they sit you in front of a, you know, a slideshow and make sure that you're you understand everything that has to be you know goes into it and you know recognize all the risks and blah 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 pre-test you for diabetes can't go in with if you're pre-diabetic can't mm-hmm. do it because diabetes affects your kidneys uh even though i have some diabetes in my family another fun fact i'm adopted so i don't really know everything about what i have in my family there you go. Um, too. but from what i but from what i knew i was okay and they tested me and everything was good and eventually a very good close match uh and they uh put us in surgery rooms eventually and cut I me out. I thought you were in the bathtub with the ice in that the was, hotel room after they knocked you out. <laughs> That's the plot of my movie. It's called Taken 4. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was all good. It, everything went uh, fairly smoothly. How's your daughter doing? She's doing fantastic. Uh, everything is is great. Uh, is there a period after a surgery like that where it's you don't know like whether it's going to take or... Yeah, Are there unsuccessful attempts at this where you had to like really, yeah, you know, be nervous for a while. Yeah, absolutely, uh, it can be rejected. Uh, so you, the, the uh, they take a bunch of medication, anti rejection drugs. I'm sure you've heard of. Uh, so there is certainly certainly right out of the gate, it's it's that's that's the big fear. I think there's a certain threshold of time. You know, if it goes a couple months, you're in pretty good shape. Um, there were other things. You're constantly checking your creatinine levels and blood work, and to make sure that everything's functioning right. And every now and then there was a dip, and uh, so she she takes all kind of medication. Bro, if you ever need creatine, I think the guy next door <laughs> definitely takes some creatine. Just saying. About that guy next door. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have to monitor it all the time and just make sure that, you know, uh, you know blood pressure medicine that you're still taking doesn't create a dip in the creatinine. You have to adjust it and go back and forth and smack it, flip it, rub it down and until you get it right. But it's she's in a good zone and she's been working and living okay. and doing her thing. So now just just if for those of you that are keeping score at home. Yeah. Uh, Manny is here. For the Innocence Project, right? Ninety nine saves animals in her spare time. It's true. Many faces is a kidney donor, Facts. and so far, all I've been able to bring to the table is I was once a Republican. <laughs> I'm the worst. I mean, I'm just the worst. It would I'm be the so worst. Sorry. It would be the worst if you were still a Republican. Okay, fair. So that's actually pretty. All if right. we could, if if everyone could do what you did, we'd be. So better. can you pivot into the, why don't we stay with you and why don't we pivot into the next piece, which is se- in celebration of this incredible day. Yeah. This fuck Milton Friedman day that we have declared as a, as a global holiday, yeah. not even national because Absolutely. Milton Friedman, as we know, helped fuck the whole globe with his neoliberal policies. Yeah. There was so much about this man that, that we find offensive 
And we continue to trip over instances where he influenced other really terrible people. That was one of the biggest surprises to me of when we did our Australia episode, for mm. example, is that Friedrich Hayek and Milton Friedman were instrumental in inspiring the right wing nationalists in Australia. Incredible stuff. I mean, talk about exporting bullshit. So there's a lot to choose from. But if you had to pick one thing that one thing that you've learned that really bothers you about Uncle Fuck Nugget, what would that be? I mean, I know this is going to sound like sort of maybe a cliche cop out. My favorite bean. (laughs) (laughs) 99 is just shaking it. Lima beans are vegetables. What? They're not legumes? I'm pretty sure they're vegetables. What the fuck? They're green. That's the program. That's the most surprising thing so far. Wait a minute. Start over. Do over. While she's looking that up, continue. Sure. Um, I, I I really, I didn't know any of this stuff that we talk about. I know I'm, not I, I'm not stupid, but I'm not like, I didn't go through the regular college thing where you maybe take a, you know, a class in economics or whatever. You get some basic stuff. So I'm really quite unfamiliar with the territory, the economic. I know some of the politics stuff, progressive stuff. I follow the, the races. I follow the parties and, and some of the stuff, that stuff I, I came into this with. But I really didn't understand how a person could affect a, a university, mm-hmm. <laughs> change the trajectory of a field, and then, as you mentioned, touch it in so many different ways and be so unknown. So it's the totality. It's of the it, totality right? of it. Yeah, and, you know all the little tentacles that you know that that come out of all the conversations. Again, sure, Australia. Uh, you know, um, you know, economic policy that like has now trickled down. Isn't that great? Like to mm-hmm. things that we're seeing now are still remnants of this monumental shift in how folks looked at the world, and I guess maybe thought they were doing the right thing. Absolutely. You know, and then as we've said many times, Milton Friedman, the man, yeah, not a monster, right? Just a true fucking believer in something that could never happen, <laughs> right? And yeah. how much of 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 our lives, the last couple of generations, is built off of those same flawed foundations? Absolutely. And it's just you know, it's it's been truly opening to be a part of the the show and to and to learn these things. You know, and and to just wonder how you know, and to, as we've just just mentioned in the in the last one, you know, what can be done, mm-hmm. you know, to reverse some of these things uh, that have now, as you just said, taken uh, taken root in, throughout our entire democratic, uh, financial, and global uh, ecosystems. It's it's crazy, and I just I just I just I didn't know about this, and I know that a lot of folks who are listening don't know, like. I didn't even know the guy's name. I, I heard a name, but I didn't know who he was, what he did, and, and to have such a powerful influence on on everyone. I took macro and micro in college, microeconomics. Yeah. And then I took in my master's, I took another, uh, there was another, it was a full course. It was a full economics course. And, I, and it, it was more macro than micro. But yeah. uh, bottom line is, just like I, I left there with a cursory understanding of how things worked and you see names. Right. So Milton Friedman, Nobel Prize winner, right? Sure. Arthur Laffer, 
big name because of the Laffer curve. And there was many assumptions that were built around that during the 80s, which is, as I'm getting educated in the 90s, was recent history and economics news, right? So we learned about stuff like that. But the, the people, they weren't real people. They were names of things that we learned. So even still, even having, even being taught about right. John Maynard Keynes, Keynesian, didn't right, mean yeah. anything right. to me, right? Because you're, you're not studying the outcropping, the policy, the human intent behind economics. You're not talking about economics as the quote, dismal science, unless you're going to study economics as a field. And then you start to like unravel it all and learn about like, the nuances of it and the people behind it and these people that were inspired by ideology. Yeah. So it's not a science. It's as much science as it is art. It's predictive, but it's also, it's predictive to the extent that they try to make it prescriptive, but it's not. It's a history field too. So it's so much shit jammed into this one concept of economics that the people I think sometimes get lost because we think it's a science. Yeah. I just want to, it's a fun fact, I guess. My my dad was a uh, a distinguished professor of sociology. Mm-hmm. Became a sociologist for forty something years. Taught at Ohio State. Taught at Rutgers. Uh, taught at SUNY Old Westbury on Long Island. Was at Ohio State too? Yeah, yeah, oh, recently. Wow. Yeah, uh, shortlisted for Harvard uh, wow. at one point. Uh, and you know, brilliant guy. You know, gone gone now. Uh, but you know, put in a lot of work in the field. And he originally went to college to study economics mm. in Rutgers in in, in New Jersey. First of his family to go to college and all that, and almost dropped out. Couldn't handle it. Just didn't like it. I don't know. I don't know the mm. whole story. Just you know, couldn't mess with it. And talked to the dean and said, "I can't hack. You know, hack this. I'm out. I'm I'm gonna quit or you know whatever." And the you know, dean or whatever said, "Listen, listen. Hold on, hold on. Let's talk about it." And through some conversation, I don't remember the whole story. Ended up switching to sociology. So it's interesting that you say Related that. Related fields. That, that's what I'm saying. It's interesting that you, the things that you might have liked from this field can certainly be applied if you look at it more, you know, sociologically, mm-hmm. uh, that these things are related. And like I said, it's historical. It's all these things are there. So it's interesting that you can look at what would many think, oh, boring. It's money. It's finance. It's numbers and all that. No, it's it's there's a lot more to the social aspect of economics, which is the stuff we, talk, we touch on all the time. So, so it's interesting. Um, 99, before you get into the most surprising thing to you or the thing that bothers you about Uncle Fuck Nugget, uh, do you want to settle the debate, legume or vegetable? They're mixed. It's I'm getting mixed things, but this person <laughs> says, so it's a mature form of a legume, but which is defined as on eatforhealth.gov. Vegetables come from many different parts of the plant, including the leaves, roots, tubers, flowers, stems, seeds, and shoots. Legumes are the seeds of the plant and eaten in their immature f- form as green beans and peas, and the mature form as dried peas, beans, lentils, and chickpeas. So a lima bean can, so is it, like a, a vegetable It's a legume that can grow up seed. to be a vegetable? Yeah. It's a baby vegetable. Interesting. Uh, okay, let's go to the judges. Do we allow it? It's allowed. Okay. Thank you. All right. I okay. was more just, I was willing to be wrong. I was more just in shock. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know? I've never thought about it. They challenged my whole worldview. I don't even, I, I can't even, like, my palate can't describe to my brain what it even tastes like. It's like, it's I know like that sounds edamame. crazy, but it's like. Have you had edamame? Yeah. So it's like if a it was, different kind of So if of it wasn't edamame. for salt, yes. I would know nothing about edamame because it just, so there's no there there. It's just, 
That's it's basically true. just an excuse no, to yummy. like lick a clove of salt. No. That, that's how I look at it. That's what margaritas are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true too. That's true too. Okay. So Uncle Fuck Nugget, mm-hmm. one of the most surprising and or things that bothers you about learning what he's done to the world. Well, mine was similar to Manny's and I'm not going to rehash it because also I missed the first part because I was reading about lima beans. <laughs> <laughs> but similarly how I would have known nothing so that that part to me, I know it's that's a bit of a cop out. Like it's not that's not about him, but how much effect he had. Then my my initial one that I thought of, which wasn't a real one, is how much he looks like a Milton. <laughs> he does. I was gonna say also and sounds like one. Like he really does. It's just if someone said Milton, that's <clears throat> regardless that's of knowing him, your brain draws like that. How picture. pissed is Milton Bradley? I know. Right? Yeah. Like didn't oh, we this look? Fucking remember guy? when we read about we yeah. did it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my third one is how he's seemingly racist, but also inclusive at the same time. Yes. Where he's like, yeah, I don't care if the gays get married, but then he's like inner city schools and whatever. And I'm like, how do you not see the disparity between these two things? He, he was so, he is, he's an interesting study that way. That's why I always say not a bad human at the core. I really believe that his ego could not allow for anything other than his belief system and ideology to exist. So he couldn't see that his was an impossible framework, but it didn't make him necessarily a bad person, which is where I, so the thing that bothers me, one of the little things that bothers me about him is the impact that he had on our, on how we view the education system in this country. And it relates to his, it, I guess it relates to also how he viewed uh, the structural issues with relative to race. He, I mean, he really believed in this idea of free market and that extended to things like public education, that extended to how we build urban environments or rural environments, it extended to banking, to trade, to everything. He retrofit everything through the lens of free markets. But when he was talking about the public schooling, he did it in a way where he, he, he would support exactly as you're saying. He would, I think, genuinely be concerned or express concern that we are doing the wrong thing by black people in this country by the, because of the way that we set up the system. And then he would just sort of stop there, right? without looking at how he has influenced the way that the system was structured and then how and why we would not intervene to then, you know, subsequently fix it. So I I would say that one of the little things that bothers me about him among many is how he how he became, I guess, um, a an important figure in so many different areas. But education's one where he really should have like stayed out of it completely but he could not help himself. Mm. Whenever he was presented with an issue, he would challenge himself to find a fix a way to get in free markets right. and explain it through that. <clears throat> and the problem with that is some people are so smart, like he was, that they sound extremely convincing. And it takes somebody just as smart and combative in the right forum to be able to dismantle these arguments. What was fascinating about Milton Friedman was that he came of age as a public figure when 
television really hit its prime. So you're talking about somebody who developed his thesis in the 50s and the 60s and then was given this platform. I mean, he was making mini documentaries in the 70s. Mm. It was groundbreaking and they would get a lot of play. And then he was brought on interview shows and it would just be him versus an interviewer. If you want to see the like the perfect example of like Jimmy Kimmel just interviewed President Biden in the last day or two, right? So if you want to see the perfect example of somebody wholly incapable of pressing somebody further on a question, right? watch that interview because Biden's not a stupid man, right? He's slowing down and he's, you know, he's not the most, you know, well, he's not the most articulate man, but he also has his talking points down and you watch him go from his trying to answer a question genuinely and then steer it towards the talking points that that he knows so very well. And then he's fluent, right? And he talks over a Jimmy Kimmel who's not adept enough to respond. I have the same problem and I know this is heresy, but listening to John Stewart talk to somebody like um, uh, Gary Gensler right. from the SEC, formerly of the CFTC, John Stewart came into those interviews with a certain frame of reference, was sticking to them, but didn't have enough ammunition at his core to go a little bit further to challenge him on some of the talking points, and so they just sort of ended up agreeing to disagree. <laughs> and that's the part. That's where a lot of the punditry gets to is like. They'll allow somebody to just, you know, wash their laundry out in public and then and then say, well, I agree to disagree or that was a really great segment. Milton Friedman had two decades of people telling him that's a really great idea because he was bringing new, fresh material to the world and everybody bought in. So once he was proven right about Chile or free markets or, you know, how we should structure monetary policy, it was like, well, hey, Milton, what do you think about consumer protection laws? I think they're terrible. Why? Free markets. What do you think about public <laughs> education? Should never have happened because uh, you know, black people are, are taking the brunt of the, the of the system that failed because we don't understand free markets. <laughs> if you just keep saying it over and over, it takes this air of like of authenticity and 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 like rationality wait, that you're like, oh, okay, free markets. He was right for the wrong reasons. Right. You're exactly right. It's right. like he's criticizing public schools and you're like, yeah, yeah. why not? He's like, because free, free markets. markets. You're like, what? No, not, yeah. The fuck does that even mean? It's like so, talking to me about hip hop. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, hip hop can save America. What do you mean? Well, you know, the political, <laughs> yeah, what about, uh, I'm a plumber. Can I be a better plumber because of hip hop? Yeah, absolutely. And then I proceed <laughs> to tell you how you can. And this is, just, you know, it's, I, I'm, I can, but it's, you know, it's like that. It's like, one of my finding great, an answer. One of my great joys is just throwing out like Eminem lyrics to you and you just being like, okay, yeah, all right, man, I just stop. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> it's not what I mean. You know? <laughs> it's not what I, it's not what I mean. This is not what I mean at all. But uh, yeah. That's, all right. That's so uh, let's go now. Let's, let's, let's go back to the show itself as we kind of close out our, our happy horseshit Milton Friedman day and, and family show. Bah, 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 bah. And that is Air horn noises. one thing that you value about doing the show. And uh, so I'm going to start, I'm going to throw it to Manny, and then I want to give a final word to everybody's favorite. So the thing that I value about doing the show is that, is the audience feedback. When people write in and say, I didn't know it, or I never thought about it that way. So I, I, I got the book. Right. So I ordered the book from Bookshop. I see where you're going with it. Or people write in and they say, I don't agree with your conclusions, but I love the path that you're on to making them. Or they write in and they say, 
I'm, I'm not there with you and I think you're wrong and here's why. The thing that I value the most about this show is how the unfucking community, I think is, no matter who it is, is genuinely committed to making things better for the people around them and for the country at large. And even our international community of unfuckers, there's a sense of camaraderie where they're rooting for America because this is unfucking the Republic. So we, we really do try to stay in our lane here, but they're, they're rooting for us because they know, first of all, it's America. We are still to so many countries aspirational. People want to come here, but the other developed countries that have learned some things along the way from our failings and from our successes, look at us and say, mm, they should really be better than they are. Mm. And when things go very, very wrong here, they look at us almost with like sadness and and like a deep empathy as only somebody who's not from here but wants us to succeed could do because otherwise the messages that we get from our Euro fuckers or unknuckers or down under fuckers or Kiwi fuckers or anybody would be, fuck you guys, fuck your bullshit, tired of you, hope you burn, right? But they're not, they want us to win. They want us to succeed and they want us to do better. And it's this genuine, authentic, relationship that we have with our audience now that has surprised me and just completely blown me away and lights my candle in a way that this is the most satisfied. I've said this to 99 before. Right now, right here and right now is the most satisfied that I have ever been in my life and career with the work that I get to do because of how the audience relates to it, responds to it, criticizes it, adopts some of the ideas or challenges us to do better. It is the single happiest that I've ever been and most rewarded that I've ever been in my career. Not making more than I've made in the past. Um, not uh, as, you know, I don't have a hold a profile in my local community as I did in the past. I'm doing the show anonymously for Christ's sake. And yet <laughs> it is the most rewarding, satisfying thing that I think that that I've ever done. And the others, but the other side of that, what makes that special? So there's the outside, the external, the community. The inside is that, and this is, I guess, this is a little bit of inside baseball. And maybe it sounds, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a braggart, but our numbers are such that we have entered kind of rarefied air. And I think we're all sort of looking at each other every week, like, "Fuck, is this really happening?" And we're really open and transparent about our numbers. Like we said, I said in show notes last week, like we're over 200 members now. People are like, that's it? Well, it's hard to do this. There are four and a half million registered podcasts in the world and 500,000 active podcasts at any given time. Most of them don't get more than 30 to 40 downloads a week. And now we're, and we are now in, in monthly numbers in the six figures. That is an extraordinary feat, and it puts us, like I said, in rarefied air. So we are in the top 2% of active podcasts right now. The chasm between 2% and 1% <laughs> is fucking enormous. I mean, just enormous. But I know we're committed to getting there. But the other half of what makes this the most personally rewarding part of my professional career is that it's not just the material. And it's not just the writing and the storytelling. That's 
what I bring to the table. I'm proud of it. I love it. It's wonderful. And I'm, and I'm tickled when people write in and say, you're a wonderful writer. It's a, I'm so, I'm always elated for like 24 hours when they tell me <laughs> that, right? It's great. Uh, even when Bobby McDee is writing in and being like, and correcting some of my grammar <laughs> and what have you. Um, but if the show does not sound the way it does, the show is not where it is today. The sound design of this show is so next level. The point I was trying to make that I didn't communicate as effectively as I wanted to uh, when I did show notes was you you forget that there is sound design. And that is the mark of great sound design when it sounds like it is all natural, that it's all planned, and that there wasn't quite literally 10 hours of engineering and editing behind that final product that you hear for 45, 50, you know, whatever, 60, 70 minutes, right? Whatever it is. The other part of it is the persona of the show, the personality. Those of you that have gone back to look at the back catalog, you'll undoubtedly recognize the the gap in the beginning of it was just me writing, me speaking, bringing in clips, sending it off to Manny. And I had no counterpoint. I had no I had no foil. I had no partner in crime. There was no uh, there was no personality to the show. I think it was clever. I think it was good. It was obviously a good structure and framework. But the numbers moved when 99 joined the show. Truly. The numbers actually legitimately moved when 99 joined the show because she also brings an air of authenticity and 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 a genuine and a genuine love to the microphone that even I don't think you knew that you had, and you probably still don't believe that you have it because you're you and you go home and you probably listen to it. You're like, ew, and whatever, <laughs> but it, your personality shines through because you're comfortable in this environment. But the other thing is that behind the scenes, and you, you two talked about it when I was on vacation last year, uh, or I guess at, at the beginning of this year, when I had to take a little break from my mom, you were talking about how you of, of uh, what goes into making an episode. It was sort of like, you know, dissecting it and every single touch, every single touch point for the show. So the design for the coffee bags, the coffee itself, setting up the warehouse system, building the website, putting together show notes, making sure all the links are correct, having a way to get in touch with us, having multiple ways to get in touch with us, having a social media presence at all. The show art for each and every specific episode how those, and by the way, editing me on Substack. So I edit myself, it goes up there. I look at it a week later or so. I'm like, oh my God, this looks a lot different and sounds a lot different <laughs> than it, it originally did. Somebody who catches everything and prevents it from falling through the cracks is typically not also somebody who is cut out to be on a microphone, to be talking as a personality. So not only is 99 one of the single most capable people that I've ever worked with, which is why she's in in our other lives in a position of prominence and an executive with us. But she's also that person that is so genuine and authentic that it shines through and it's a personality that people have really warmed to and attached to. Even when she's fucking yelling at them. I mean, you yell, you you call people out and you yell at them. It's so hard. You're so hard on the unfuckers. But it's it's all of that stuff. And we have such a leg up so the, the conclusion to this, I promised that I was getting to something, is that we actually understand and are amazed by how special things are right now. 
And it's almost, I feel like we're almost in like the calm before the storm because the bigger we get, the more difficult this is going to be to manage. And the more important it's going to be for us to sit down and recognize these moments of like, this is a family show. We actually have, we actually love each other. We've actually known each other for a lot longer than people might know or might imagine. I mean, I've known Manny Faces for at least those 20 years, 20 years, two decades, right? Yeah. We are very, very close. We are always rooting for each other and we're extremely respectful of one another's talents and lanes. And we get what we each bring to the table. And it, without the three of us, this show doesn't exist. Like it was an idea that was I conceived of, but could never in a million years have pulled it off and succeeded with it to the extent that we are, which is to connect with this unbelievable audience. So uh, that's what I love about it. And that's what um, that's the thing that I value most about do, doing this show is that we get to do it together and other people get us. Like they really get us. And I think that they're, you know, I think they like us. I think they really like us. And that's fun. So Manny faces over to you. I got to follow that. Sure. That was really it. Um, whatever you said, ditto. Come on now. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess all of those things seriously and and you know i think we'll all echo that ad nauseum um you know in in journalism there's been a recent trend to uh follow sort of this idea of solutions journalism right which is not just report about why things are shitty uh but report about the folks who are making things less shitty and i know that that's a frequent push and pull with the audience uh with the audience the unfucking unfuckers uh, always wanting us to kind of, you know, sometimes, ah, you know, ah, we know this already. We know it's shitty and you make me feel horrible, but how can we fix it? And then there's been a concerted effort from all of us to make sure that we're working on that. We're trying to incorporate that into the mix as well. I, I truly believe that what you said and, and, and going back to what I said is that I didn't know any of this shit. <laughs> I, I can't fix a thing until I know, you know, how it's broken. I can't die. You know, we can try to treat the symptom, uh, treat the symptoms, but not the, you know, the disease. You got to know about the disease. You got to study. You got to do the work. You got to understand where we're, you know, where we're, uh, you know, uh, where, you know, re history repeating, From blah, blah, blah. Came. Yeah, exactly. So I value that we're trying to do that, like, uh, with intention, you know, with purpose. I believe that we do it very often. I believe that we have given folks resources. You mentioned the books, but just, you know, the pod love, the other, you know, the other things to, to listen to or look at. I've done some of that has given me a greater understanding of the of the uh, the topics and the issues so that I might be in a better position to use my platform privilege, abilities, skills, not just for this show, but in the world around me, in my local neighborhood with my children to, you know, add, you know, to give them messages and to give them some understanding that I didn't have when I was their age because I'm getting it now. I remember you calling me and being like, you got to hear this discussion I had. Yeah. I tried so hard. I met this guy where he was. Yeah. And we moved them a little. A little bit. It was cool. Yeah. And it's very cool to see that, you know, really come to fruition with some of the people you, you know, mentioned, you know, right into us and say, listen, I'm, you've, you've got me thinking, mm -hmm. you've got me thinking. And I, and I believe I've come to believe this from this show because I, I 99 talks about it all the time. Like, you know, sometimes these people, you're not going to change these people. And yeah, there's a lot of people you're not just not going to do it. That's right. But I believe that secretly there are a lot of people that if you just open their eyes and ears a little bit. They are ready to do that, but they don't get the opportunity. 
One thing I like about this show is that you can listen to it in private. You don't have to have MSNBC on in your in your living room and hear and face the wrath of your, you know, right-leaning conservative family members or whatever. You could actually learn a few things if you have a little bit of an open mind and then start kind of going on that journey. Uh, so we didn't all start from progressive, you know, let's go. You know, we were just kind of regular folk, just living lives and trying to figure some things out. Maybe we're democratic leaning. Maybe we come from uh, the depths of despair that you came from, uh, you know, politically. But we're all kind of moving in this direction together. And we're all learning these things, getting ammunition to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, f mental, you know, uh, knowledge and resources. You know, I didn't know that there was a, a site you go to and get find out your local progressive, you know, uh, coalitions for your area. You know, I, I'm in the I'm in, I'm, a, I'm in Georgia now. I need to find out whether some people like with my frame of mind in that area. To, so we keep working on you that have state. registered your entire family. Right. Because if yeah. you did, I'm not worried about the outcome. <laughs> There's a lot of us. There's a lot of you. Yeah. Right. So but that that's all important. And I'm getting all that from the show. And I know that the people that have that same kind of hunger you know, we're all worried about whether it's going to be enough, but taking it back to the beginning of my statement, there are solutions. Mm -hmm. And part of it is to find out, you know, how we got here on fucking it. Yep. And then part of it is what we're intentionally purposefully doing is leaning people, leading people in directions that, you know, that can make a difference. You know, building an army. Yeah. You know, so. Um, before we get off the Georgia thing and move to 99 for final thoughts. Yeah. This Herschel Walker, <laughs> who was an exceptional football player, is a fascinating study. The idea that this man could be a senator is fucking terrifying. I mean, unbelievable. There are, as we've talked about, some stupid motherfuckers in Congress. Yeah. And I have no problem saying that this man is one of the stupidest people. Yeah, I that I've ever that I've ever seen or heard <laughs> and may also be one of a hundred of the most influential people in the country. It's just stunning. So please. Yeah, I'm working on that. Not only get your whole family registered, <laughs> I'm sure they are. But yeah. Vote often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So amen to that. Ninety nine. Close out with final thoughts here. One one thing that you value the most about doing the show one you did like 15 i did and you stole half of mine a thing some things whatever you want to say okay um where to start let's see i have learned how much work it is yeah we've we've produced other podcasts in the past and never really put our all into it in the way that we have here not that we didn't care or try but they weren't podcasts who were going to garner such a following like this. So, and, and knowing how much more I could do mm. if I had more time. But, you know, again, we have day jobs. But it's just, it's so interesting to know how even minimal, minimal in comparison to other podcast communities, minimal um, time and effort has already shown such dividends. Mm. And from that, one thing I really value is the unfuckers, but specifically our female unfuckers or, you know, femme presenting unfuckers. This just strong network of women who often write to me specifically with like really supportive words and things. 
And it's just nice to know and be valued and seen by other women who go through similar things and struggles because I'm actually a fairly shy person in real life. When you when you get to know me, I won't shut up, but at the beginning I won't talk. <laughs> I, you know, until I'm comfortable enough, I'll like talk to one person and I use them, they just say what I say. <laughs> they they have to talk for me. So, you know, I'm very shy. I'm like an ambivert, you know, slightly introverted, slightly extroverted, but um, I don't mind alone time. I am also quite anxious. So all of that has helped really boister my confidence when I'm not feeling confident. And also just being able to work with Max closely. And Manny, me and Manny have been, you know, old pals. We work together on a lot of things. But um, in our real jobs, you know, Max is like, Max is, he's the big guy. And I get, I get mm. special, special time. And having learned so much from his experience and having him as a mentor and just his, not just business acumen, but but history and just like life stuff, you know? <laughs> so that's been, that's been fun. So I know I've said it before, but it is one of my favorite parts of doing this is spending time with, with our UNFTR family because I just learned so much and it's helped me grow and a different person now than I was when we started. I feel like we've, we've all, I feel like we've all grown certainly like as Manny was saying, not, like knowledge wise, but mm -hmm. also grown just as people like when your mind opens, you can't help but grow with it. You see things a little bit differently. That's one of the reasons I'm excited to keep pushing the envelope and do, and trying new things and doing, I never want this to get stale. Never want this to feel like, we have a show today. It should always be like, I'm fucking wiped because we did this show today. Like, I just feel, leave everything out on the court. That's that's how I feel about coming into each and every show that we do. Um, a quick question for for both of you. Uh, and then I promise we'll wrap. Uh, 99, you knew more about podcasts and had listened to more podcasts, had engaged with more podcasts and understood more, <clears throat> excuse me, more about the podcast ecosystem, maybe than anybody that I knew. Like, honestly, in my in my real person life, you were such a devotee of this. Is it surreal to you that you are now such an integral part of one that is kind of getting known? Is it weird or do you just, is it like, do you just compartmentalize that? Is it just like a, nah, nah, it's a different piece? Yeah, I think that's, that's where I'm at right now. Only because I don't give myself praise <laughs> sometimes. I, I struggle with that, as we've talked about yeah. in the past, where I am I can be a little hard on myself. So I don't like to claim as much of a stake as maybe I could or should. But I know I went to see uh, my mom the other day, and she was listening to Show Notes in the car, and she was like, look... Is it weird to hear yourself? And I was like, I guess, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I go through them, so I'm, I'm sort of used to it. But it's almost like it's a different person. I remember, I mean, this is um, sort of tangential, but I there's a podcast called Song Exploder that I like. I've probably talked, I think I talked yeah. about it on our Manny 99 Takeover. And there was one with the singer from Glass Animals. They had that song, Heat Waves, that everyone likes. So it was one about heat waves. And he said that he often distorts and modulates his voice so much because he doesn't like listening to the sound of his own voice and he really can't so 
That's why he's got all these effects on himself. So he's almost editing a different person. So I sort of have to put it in that frame where I'm like, this isn't me. Right. And I I also have the luxury of cutting things out that I say. So sometimes <laughs> I say stuff and I get rid of it. And I mean, it's never offensive, but... You know, sometimes it's there are times where we'll, we'll uh, I'll tune in show notes or something like that and I'll be like, I wonder how that thing that uh, we were talking about landed and then it just goes through and it's not there. And I'm like, <laughs> she's fucking best because yeah. it wouldn't have landed well. It's it's <laughs> you're like that person on the shoulder that's just like, nope, 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 nope. Um, so related, uh, but different question to Manny. The years ago, we've talked about this before. Um in a professional setting, I think you recommended <laughs> uh, vociferously and frequently, mm-hmm. hey, you know what would be a good idea? It's a podcast <laughs> for that thing that we do. Yeah. Uh, we should consider that. Um, how much of you still wants to um, open hand slap me across the head? <laughs> For not heeding that advice, I don't know. What was it? Eight, nine years ago at this point? Probably a little more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Cause I was, yeah. Cause yeah. I was already doing some stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, we could do some mm-hmm. of the stuff that I do. Yeah. And um, I had a re- I had previously come to you with some stuff and you were like, I don't know, sure. And it worked. So I don't know why you didn't listen to me then. Because I had proven myself multiple I think because times. I had radio in my head for yeah, yeah. so many well, years. I'm point. like, well, so it's the radio without the radio? Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you know, uh, everything happens for a reason, as they say. You know, we we wound up here. Would we have gone that route then? Perhaps we would have not ended up here and being the most satisfied that you've ever been. Uh, certainly, this is great work uh, that I, I love to be able to do as well. So I, I echo the comfort level I have at doing important work that I think really makes a difference. So maybe we would have ended up doing, uh, you know, podcasts for that other industry and it wouldn't have been as uh, as cool or rewarding. So no, I'll, I'll let you get away with it. All right. Uh, thank you. You know, this time. All right. Well, on fuckers, we've come to uh, the close couple of items to uh, close out the show. Just as housekeeping, there is a, a missing there's an invisible person uh, who should be in the studio with us, but isn't even on this coast anymore. And uh, it would be it would be a big miss if we did not acknowledge the contribution of Tom McGovern to yep, the show. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I know in the Manny 99 takeover, you talked a lot about Tom McGovern and uh, he deserves his due. One of the more fortuitous Google searches than I think I've done <laughs> in my life and uh, came across Tom uh, just exchanged uh, emails and work with him again last night, uh, as it so happens for the upcoming show that we have. Uh, And he is just an unbelievable talent. I haven't met anybody quite like him and can also tell you that from a personality standpoint, might also be, I mean, talk about fitting into the unfucking ethos, might be one of the nicest, kindest, friendliest, and optimistic people that that I've (laughs) That I've ever gotten to know. Yeah. So thank you to Tom McGovern for his incredible work. He's a treat. Um, we are going to do a flash sale, 25% off all coffee from Fuck Milton Friedman Day through the weekend. So this weekend, only 25% off with code Milton in the show. 99? Well, I, have, I have other coffee updates. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh, so let's go to it. Okay. Well, so I finally set it up and you can now get bi-monthly subscriptions of coffee. 
So if every month is too much for you, every other month is available. I'm also very nearly there where you can edit the frequency, the items you have in your order right from your own little portal. So you won't have to go through me anymore. So I'm almost there. Brilliant. It's proving to be a little more annoying than I thought it would be. It's been like eight months in the making. I'm sorry, but almost there. Um, There you go. Amazing stuff. Uh, So remember for this specific weekend, from Friday to Sunday, 25% discount for using code Milton in honor of Fuck Milton Friedman Day. And uh, we would ask everybody uh, who's listening today, through the weekend, whatever, it doesn't have to happen on the actual day, uh, but to publicly celebrate Fuck Milton Friedman Day. Share that FMF hashtag. If you want to go, uh, perhaps maybe in the show notes, we can include the old Fuck Milton Friedman episode. Sure. Or you could go to unftr.com slash episode slash unftr23, and it'll take you right there. Holy shit. That uh, we, was weird. We, so, we cited so much that I know the episode number. I'll remember yeah. that. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this coming weekend, we are, just so everybody knows, we are going to be a day late on the drop because I, 99 was out. I am behind. Manny is here and needs to be there. And it took me longer to put this together. So long, in fact, that it's going to be a two-parter. So you have a two-parter, the first of a two-parter on Amazon coming this weekend, but it is going to drop in the overnight Sunday, uh, Saturday into Sunday. So don't look for the drop on Saturday morning. One of the other reasons that we wanted to get this little special show in between so that you have it to celebrate FMF Day. Uh, And in two weeks, perhaps less, we are going to have the inaugural drop of our Phone a Friend episode, which I'm very much looking forward to. We have a lot of work before we get there, but uh, I think you're going to dig it, unfuckers. You know that we wouldn't do it if we weren't firm believers in it and also if we hadn't been sort of mapping it out for a very long time. So- uh, looking forward to that. I want to thank you both for uh, your contributions here today. You are stellar human beings and uh, model citizens. Manny, I hope you have safe travels getting back to Hotlanta. Mm-hmm. And 99, I'll see you in about 15 minutes <laughs> to record the episode that will be dropping part one on Amazon on Sunday. Thank you, fuckers, for tuning in. Fuck Milton Friedman. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Toodles. Did not just do that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Say it loud, say it with me. Yo, Yo fuck, fuck Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman.